0: Good morning, LifePoint Church, great to be together today, great to see you. I just love the energy in our building, and our lobbies, and in our auditorium here, and uh, I had a fantastic first service, just filled up, and a lot of energy there too, and we're so glad you're here, so glad you're hanging out with us, and uh, this is our new facility grand opening, and uh, we're looking at it as not the finish line, but the start line of something new that God wants to do in and through us, and We're so glad you're hanging out with us here now. And also want to welcome those of you who are watching online. We really have a great crew of people watching our live stream. So welcome to you. We're so glad you're hanging out with us. And also to those of you who are maybe watching later in the day or this week on YouTube, thanks for checking us out. Our subscriptions there continue to grow. So we're glad to have an opportunity to be one church, kind of meeting in three places, and love being here together hanging out uh, this morning. And uh, how about the worship team this morning? I mean, man, I just, give them a hand too. I mean, that was, uh, I wake up in the morning sometimes and, uh, you know, I'm not a morning person so I'm kind of groggy, like I'm groggy in the morning. I wake up and, I, and I'm getting ready early on Sundays and I'm excited and I feel energy. And the worship team just ramps that up more and kind of prepares my heart to engage with God in a new way and to engage with his word as I learn and grow uh, with you as we do that uh, together. And it really is no accident that you've joined us today because God wants to do something new and powerful, and amazing in your life. And God wants to do something new and amazing in us as a church family. And every once in a while, God has this way of of working in such a way that that some significant moment arises where we can draw near to God and we can kind of tap into his power and maybe sense his leading in a new way that, that we don't on a regular basis sense. And we kind of come to this moment where we we feel like, wow, God is kind of reaching out. There's these moments where we got the sense that God's big arms, his loving arms are reaching down to us to to pull us closer, to draw us near. And and this is that kind of moment. I believe that this is the, the moment that God has chosen for us to say yes to God, maybe in a new way and to experience him in a new way. Because God has something for every one of us this morning. God wants to grow you. God wants to bless your your marriage, your home. He wants to give you strength and peace and power. God wants to set you up for a future that's even better than the one you're trying to set up for yourself. And God is working in such a way that he wants to bring us to the point where we become the best version of ourselves, where we kind of cast off the things that are tripping us up. And we all have that. We all have things that want to trip us up and knock us back. And and this is that moment where we can kind of throw off those things that are tripping us up and where we can embrace a a new journey, a new journey of passion and faith. And I believe that God wants to move us and move you from where you are right now, your version 1.0 kind of spirituality, to a new and improved version 2.0. You know it's similar to uh, I think what happens when you download an app on your phone. How many of you have downloaded a bunch of apps on your phone over the years? I mean, I know for me, I got an iPhone uh, a few years ago, my uh, a new phone and I just went nuts at the app store. I, I just went crazy. I, I wanted to maximize this new technology, so I researched all these apps and stuff, and I was looking at them, so I had all kinds of apps. I didn't need one weather app. I had like five, five weather apps, because the, the clouds could move in a certain way. Maybe one apps into it, you know, they kind of honed in onto it. On it better. So I needed multiple weather apps and navigation apps and YouTube. And I got all these things going on music, uh, Spotify, Shazam. If you don't have Shazam, you got to get Shazam. That's an amazing, amazing app, too. And, and, uh, you know, of course, there's the cool, like, unique ones as well. I picked up one called Night Sky. We you actually take your phone and you point it up to the sky and it shows you what you're looking at. Like uh, the Big Dipper and the Little Dipper and planets and all kinds of things up there. And you're like, man, there's a lot of stuff going on up there. And it kind of outlines it all. It's, it's very cool. Uh, the original goal was to be more productive. So the productivity apps, that's what I was going for. But in the end, I found myself with pages and pages and pages, screen after screen, of apps and this is how it all played out, because months and months pass and passed, and after you know dabbling with the apps for a little while and then kind of settling into the ones that I would use all the time, uh, eventually I got to this point where I pretty much forgot about them all i, I didn 't really pay attention to them very much anymore at all, and I remember having my phone one day and our, our former youth pastor, his name was Josh, some of you may remember him, but but Josh, uh, for some reason, saw the screen on my phone and he started laughing. He was laughing, like, like hilariously. He found my phone to be very, very funny, and I'm like, dude, what are you laughing at? And he goes, do you see your apps, app store icon there? I said, yeah, and he goes, do you see a number there? And I'm like, yeah, I do, it's 79, and... And he's like, do you know that you have 79 apps on your phone that you've never updated? And I'm like, whoa, I guess I didn't even think about that. And it's interesting how sometimes we can uh, do that spiritually, that God wants to do an update in our lives, but we get satisfied with the old version of us. We become content with where we've been. And like an app has, has new things it wants to do, bug fixes and new uh, possibilities and, and all this, uh, it never gets unlocked because we're satisfied with where we are. We kind of live with the routine of existing with the old version when, in fact, the new would be so much, so much better. Spiritually, that can happen to us. We kind of reach this point in our lives where we say, God, I'm, I'm kind of content with where I'm at. I'm satisfied. You know, I've tried to seek you and I just haven't really felt you or I, I've tried to do this or that and it doesn't seem to work. And, and we can get stuck in our 1.0 kind of faith. And sometimes we're stuck and we don't even realize it, that we're living with an inferior type of spirituality that God wants to bring us out of But we don't realize it. We just keep moving forward with our lives. And so what I want to do today is invite you to take a new step. I want to invite you to allow God to update your spiritual life from where it is now, your version 1.0, to a new and improved version 2.0. I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. I want to invite you to take that really important step to kind of shake yourself out of kind of the sense of satisfaction or maybe just kind of contentment and let God move you to an even better place than you might imagine. And we need to do that because we are all spiritual beings. A lot of people in our culture don't think about that much and they don't talk about it very much. But you and I, we're spiritual beings beings our culture ignores that part of us but it's way bigger the spiritual part of us is way bigger than we might might imagine the spiritual component is something we learn about at the very beginning of time and history and As we read the book of Genesis, which describes the beginnings, the word Genesis means beginning, so it's the beginning of life, the beginning of work, beginning of relationships. It's all about beginnings. And and we learn something about the human makeup at the very beginning of time and history. And we read this in Genesis chapter 2, verse 4 through 7. It says, This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens... And no shrub of the field had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no man to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being." Here we have an account of, of creation itself, and it describes for us the human makeup, what you and I are made of, the composition of who we are, and we first see that we are physical beings. It says in verse 7 that the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the earth, that we have a physical being And so every time you wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror and you're like, wow, I've got, I got like a face, I've got a nose, I've got hair, I've got, I got lips, I've got limbs, I've got all this going on. It's like, well, we've got the physical part of us. And it's tempting to think that's all there is to us. But verse 7 says there's much more. It says, God formed us from the dust of the earth. And then he breathed into his nostrils, into men and women, he created both, uh, this breath of life. What this means is that the physical self is not sufficient for life. That you are way more than cells, you are way more than DNA, you are way more than what you look like or the physical components of your life. That, That God breathes into us a life force. God gives us an energy that animates the physical, and the physical is not sufficient on its own, that we need that breath of life. And that breath of life is what makes us soulish. That breath of life is the spirit that God gives every human being. Way beyond the physical, there's much more happening. And one day that spirit that God gives us, that soulish part of us, that that the maker and creator breathes into us so that we live life will be taken away and will return to our maker, to the one who gave it to us. Ecclesiastes describes that in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Solomon is writing here as someone doing a grand experiment He's trying to figure out the meaning of life and the purpose of life. So he tries all different types of things. He, he tries money and he tries physical pleasures and sex and he tries great projects and lots of enter- entertainment and he tries all these things. He's like, man, I got to find purpose. There's something missing in my soul. I can't pinpoint it. And at the end of the book, he starts kind of really honing down into what's going on, what his real need is. And he says this, at the end of this experiment, remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come, when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags himself along. Remember him before the silver cord is severed or the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring or the wheel broken at the well. The dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit well, that returns to the God who gave it. And it's interesting how Solomon looks at life, and he's tried a lot of things to find fulfillment and to find purpose, and at the end of the day, his conclusion is that remember your creator in the days of your youth. In other words, if you're young, if you're a teen, if you're like 20-something and you're kind of getting this whole thing started and maybe you got your first job or you kind of meet somebody and you're going to get married and and you're just getting going, remember the Lord in those days. In the days before trouble comes, because life is full of great stretches, great stretches, but also trouble and trials, remember God as a young person. It's one of the best things that you can do. And also remember the creator when you get older. It says, when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags himself along. It's really weird language. Like, (laughs) what in the world does that mean? But the almond tree blossom is actually very white. It's stark white. And it's speaking about the aging process that that we kind of go through life. And then one day we wake up, and poof. Like our hair turns white, and it's like, wow, how did, how did that happen? And we get older, and it's just, it's just inevitable. It's going to happen. It's a sign of aging. We do a lot of work to try to get rid of all that and try to change that. And then there's the grasshopper, the grasshopper that drags itself along. It's another reference to aging that, that as you get older, isn't it true that stuff starts to hurt? Have you noticed that, that, you know, if you're younger, you're like, nothing hurts. What are you talking about? Well, it will. It's going to hurt. Because one day you're going to wake up and say, what's going on with my elbow? What the heck happened to my elbow? It's like, uh, if, if I were up here, uh, like Janelle and Jess and Marcus doing all the dancing and all, like, oh, man, like I pull a hamstring, I'm like, uh, you know, I twist an ankle, fall, fall on the floor here, and it's like, how was church? It was great. The pastor fell down. It was amazing. Lo- loved it. Loved it. Best service ever. He got up, but he, you know, we get older, and stuff hurts. I was sitting on the couch uh, a few weeks ago with Denise, and all of a sudden, my foot was on fire. Like, it was on fire. I was like, what's, it's like, just, it's my foot. It's like, there's nothing on, there's no fire. There's nothing, but it's on fire. It hurt, and it hurt for like an hour, and then boom, it was gone, and it hasn't hurt since. It's really a picture here of this grasshopper that as it gets older kind of drags itself along and it's like you think you're not going to get there. But if you're lucky enough to live long enough, you're going to have to go through it because we get older. And it says remember your creator as you get older too. Remember him too before the silver cord is severed or the golden bowl is broken. It's speaking of the value of something. In this case, the value of of your life, like a a silver cord or a a golden bowl is valuable, so your life is valuable. That's why you take care of yourself. That's why you care. That's why you put your seatbelt on. That's why you watch over yourself. You protect yourself because you want to protect something so valuable as your own life. But the day is going to come when that silver cord is going to be severed, when that golden bowl will be broken When it will fall apart, remember him before that day happens. Because ultimately, this is where it's all going. The dust returns to the ground it came from, but the spirit, that animating spirit that God breathed into your nostrils so you have life right now, that will return to the creator, to the maker of all things, to the God who gave it. The bottom line here is that what you see in the mirror is really just the tip of the iceberg of who you are, that there's way more below the waterline than just your physical self, that there's a spiritual component, component to you that is way bigger than what you see. And we're reminded of that every time that we go to a funeral and and we look at somebody in a casket, maybe someone we've loved for the longest time or someone we're just paying our respects to, and we look at them and say, physically, they're there. But they're not there anymore. Something about them has changed. There's no life energy or spirit in them because it has returned to the God who gave it. And that physical shell is just going to return to dust. This speaks of who we are. We are spiritual beings. The French philosopher Pierre Teilhard de Chardin says this. He says, we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. What this means is that we're not created to just live in a physical, material world, and let's let's dabble a little bit in spirituality. I'll add a little religion, maybe a little God, a sprinkle of spirituality in my life. I'll maybe throw up a prayer somewhere along the way or go to church. I mean, that's counting for a lot if I do that. And, you know, I'll think about spiritual things. I'll dabble in it. No, actually, that's not who we are. That doesn't meet our soul needs, At our core, we're spiritual beings, and that should be a primary focus of our lives because that's who we are. There's way more to you than what we see. There's way more happening below the waterline. And that's why it's incredibly important for you to invest in that bigger part of you below the waterline the part of you that will one day return to God. That's why it's really important for you to take the time to to call to God, to seek him, to ask your questions, to express your doubts and say, I don't don't believe this. I don't know if I believe this. I'm not sure if I believe this. That's okay too, but to seek after him, to call to him, to invest in that deeper part of who you are and allow God to move you from where you are right now spiritually to an even better place tomorrow, to move you from version 1.0 to 2.0. And that can be challenging. That can be really hard. Because the truth is, all of us get stuck. I get stuck, you get stuck. We kind of find our way into a groove and a comfort zone, and we don't really move out of that too easily. And there are a lot of voices in our world that discourage spiritual things. Even though that's the biggest part of who we are, the world doesn't talk about it and doesn't encourage us to invest in those things. We're told today that, you know, time, that the time we put into our faith or spirituality is, is wasted time. It's a distraction from what really matters, that we should be using our energy and our focus and, and our thoughts, uh, we should be using those things to build up our kingdom on this planet, that we should be living for what we have and what we attain, increasing material things, expanding our net worth, having more experiences on this planet, building our estate. And yet Jesus told us that that life does not consist in the abundance of our possessions. And why does he say that? Because he made us, and he knows there's way more below the waterline that the spiritual part of us is not touched by the material things around us. And to find truth, peace, and fulfillment, and power, we need to pay attention to what's below that waterline. That's why Jesus said it, and we know that material things will never satisfy. We get something, we want something more. We get a new car, we want another new car, because they got cooler features. We, you know, we have a pair of shoes, we get a new pair of shoes, we put them next to the other pair of shoes that we have that... We never wore in our, they're in our closet too, but we kind of put them all together. We got a new Amazon purchase that we have to make and we wonder why we're empty because those things can never satisfy the soulish needs, our spiritual needs. Maybe we've gotten stuck because we've had a bad experience at church or with a religious person and we've run into cold calculating religion. Somebody that was supposed to, we thought, be a Christian who has kind of demonstrated a super unloving attitude, and you're like, I'm done with that. I have zero interest in any of that. And you're just like, I'm just going to throw in a towel on all this. Or maybe you've heard people say that if you get serious about your faith and spirituality and church and growing, that your life is going to get worse it will absolutely get worse because some pastor or priest or ecclesiastical person is going to have a whole list of rules and regulations that you now need to follow, hoops that you need to jump through, hurdles you need to scale, all to satisfy this this unrelenting God in the heavens. And your life won't get better. It'll get worse. But what if true faith and true spirituality is way different than any of that? What if God's plan for your life is way better than you would imagine? What if paying attention to that deeper part of you, that bigger part of you and investing in your faith, has a payoff beyond what you could even think of or anticipate? It's interesting how Jesus came to this planet for a very specific purpose, and and most people don't even know why he came. But he tells us in John 10.10, I came, Jesus said, to give life, and life in all its fullness." Life in all its fullness. Other versions say that Jesus came that we might have life and life more abundantly, a better life, more purpose, greater joy, a greater sense of his power in our lives. A sense that I I am aligning myself with the God who's breathed life into my lungs and into my body, that I'm prepared to live a good life now, to advance good in this world, to make a difference in this world, to live with grander purpose, and I'm prepared to meet him one day. This is what God has in mind for us that we might have life, not an okay life, not a religious life. Jesus never came to make us more religious. He came to introduce us into a life changing relationship where life gets better, where we have more strength to cope with the problems that come our way, because it's not always easy, and where we always persevere because of His presence in us. And we win, we overcome, not because of our own competencies but because of his greatness and his power working in our lives. You see, God is not the Grinch in the heavens. He's not the rule keeper in the sky with a book writing stuff down. You know, you, gotta, you didn't check that box there. He's not the nasty neighbor who's going to pull the plug on your party. He's none of those things. He's actually the good shepherd. He's good He loves you. He knows exactly what you need. He knows how you're wired. He knows the best course for your future. He is the good shepherd. He is the bread of life. That means that you can consume all kinds of other things. You live in the material world. As a material person, you will be empty. But when you take in the bread of life, Jesus himself, he fulfills in a way nothing else can. He is the bread of life. He is the hope. He is the peace. He is power. He's the light of the world. He is our deliverer. It's interesting how the psalmist reflected on the nature of God and it brought him immense, immense joy. And he writes about this in Psalm 35, verse 27. He says, May my friends sing and shout for joy. May they always say, Praise the greatness of God. Of the Lord, and, and why would we do that? Because He's a God who loves to see His servants do well. Isn't that awesome? Great news that that's God's desire for you, that you would do well, that you would be blessed, that you would have strength, that you would have new power to plug into. And all of this means that taking the time to seek Him taking the time to to know him, to to call on him, has a big-time payoff. That God is going to bless you for taking your next step. That moving from 1.0 to 2.0 is going to yield big results in your life. It will prepare you for a life that God uses. It will bless you in the process, and it will prepare you for when that day inevitably comes and your spirit leaves this shell and returns to the God who gave it. So in this unique moment, as a church, I want to challenge you. I want to invite you to say yes to God in a new way, to let him take you from where you are right now to an even better place tomorrow. And as you do this, Remember this, this is not a journey you're supposed to take alone. You will not get from 1.0 to 2.0 by yourself. Some people say, you know, okay, I'm a spiritual being and I believe in God, and I, you know, but I'm gonna kind of connect with God while I'm fishing, you know, and playing golf, boom, and while I'm doing whatever else, looking, you know, walking in the great blue yonder, looking up to the sky, watching a bird, That's cool. That's fine. Or they say, I'm just going to be kind of with God, with my my husband or my wife or this small group of people. Actually, God wants us to take a journey collectively, all of us, so that we can help each other move from 1.0 to 2.0 because I need your help and you need my help. We're at our best when we do this journey together. And so this is a huge opportunity for us now, for you, to take new steps to make a fresh start. This is a moment God wants to use in our church right now for a new chapter, a new era of greater impact and greater influence than we ever have had before because there is a place for you here at our church. And so I want to encourage you to take this second step today. Join us as together we move from life point 1.0. To 2.0. Join us as we make this move from where we are right now to an even better place tomorrow. And I'm excited about what God has done in the past in our church. I'm thankful every day uh, that we have something solid to build on, that our version 1.0 at LifePoint was absolutely 100% blessed by God. And I just want to take a minute to tell you a little bit about LifePoint 1.0. 1.0. It started in 2006 when uh, God called Denise and me and our four kids and our dog Cooper. Um, I don't, I guess the Lord can call a dog, I don't know, but, but called us uh, to move to Harrisburg to start Life Point Church. And I remember feeling a sense of restlessness at that point in my life and trying to sense what God was saying. And I started getting this very light tap on the shoulder, and I'm like, God, is that you, or do or something else going on with my shoulder? Just kind of like a little tap on the shoulder. I don't know if you've ever felt that before, but God does that kind of thing. He tapped you on the shoulder. And it was kind of late, and I was trying to figure out what was going on. And I talked to a friend of mine who is a bishop, his name is Craig Sider. I don't know if he's here today. Uh, But uh, I talked to Craig, and he told me about this opportunity in Harrisburg. And I said, well, what's that about? He goes, well, there was a church that had closed three years earlier, and basically you could go there. And I'm like, okay, so are there any people? No, there's no people. So you want me to leave where I'm at, okay? With a, I had a good church, very good church situation. We had dynamic worship, too. We had a lot of cool things going on. You, and I'm sensing this restlessness, and the idea that you come up with is, why don't you go to Harrisburg to go to a church with no people? And I thought, you know, maybe that's not a good idea. I thought maybe the, my plan at that point was a little different than that. I didn't think that that made a lot of sense, but I started getting a tap, and it, it kind of continued. And for months and months, I said no to coming to Harrisburg. And I remember one time, it was uh, New Year's, about New Year's, and I was driving in the car uh, with our family, and we had an old Suburban at the time. So my four kids are in the back seat, Denise is with me, Cooper's in there too. And when we went anywhere with the family, it was utter chaos in our car was total chaos in the car. The kids were all having issues, always seemed to have an issue. So and so touched me. So and so on the my side of the seat. They hit me with the, the seatbelt. He's hitting me with the seatbelt. Cooper sneezed on me. I'm like, oh man, you guys are you guys are driving. Driving me nuts. And so there's always this chaos. It was always super loud. And I, you know, trying to figure this out. I can't hear you, can't hear. That didn't work because I had to keep my hands on the steering wheel and I got to put my fingers in my ear. But we had a lot of moments like that. But I remember very distinctly having a conversation with Denise in the car at one of the most chaotic, loud moments. And this conversation cut through all that chaos. And I spoke with Denise, and and we talked, and she said she started feeling this tap on the shoulder. I'm like, no, (laughs) you are? And we talked about it and felt like God was calling us to move to Harrisburg. I got home, and at exactly the same time, when I thought it was clear, I got more confused than ever. I got a phone call from a friend of mine who pastored a very large church church, Church of about two thousand people, and uh, he had invited me to speak there one time, and I don't know why because I was a church planter. Our church was smaller than his, and but he invited me, and then they invited me back numbers and numbers of times, and he wanted to invite me to join his staff as a teaching pastor. And I thought about it. I'm like, wait a minute, I'm really confused now, because I'm pretty sure I'm supposed to do this, but now I've got this opportunity, and this is a prime opportunity, and I remember going to this meeting with my friend and their executive pastor, and they invited me to be a teaching pastor at this church. And I went, and I felt as I drove there that I wasn't supposed to do it. And I sat in this meeting, and they told me about it, and it sounded fantastic. And I had this check in my spirit that said, I don't want you to do this. And I told them No. And I still today, to this day, remember walking out from the meeting because they were like, "Like, why, why don't you want to do it?" I said, "Because the Lord, I feel, is calling me to, to a church of no people." And they're like, <laughs> "They're like, why, why are you going to do that?" I honestly don't know, but I really feel like I'm supposed to do this. And I walked out into the parking lot to go to my car, and I thought to myself, "You might be the biggest idiot on planet <laughs> Earth. Like, seriously, you." Could have just made the most gigantic mistake ever. But I didn't make a mistake. We didn't miss God's voice on this. We got home and Denise said, the tapping's still there. And we said yes. And we moved to Harrisburg. We packed up our house. We sold it, packed things up, moved to Harrisburg. And it was hard because there were people that wanted to be part of it and then they didn't. And there were a lot of people that wanted to do a different style of things than what we wanted to do. We wanted to reach people regardless of where they were on their spiritual journey. And it was hard. And we started out with a small Bible study, which met in the basement of this building. And, and then we met in the Friendship Community Center for a year, and we met in the gym, and it smelled you know, like a pool. There was a pool there. To, you know. So it's like, uh, this is interesting. We renovated this building. We came in, and suddenly we started to get traction. We had one service... And then we had a second service, and that filled up. And we had a third service, and that filled up. And I remember uh, about three, four years ago, uh, we did seven services in a 48-hour period. We did three morning services and four Christmas Eve services. And that I remember as the year of the Christmas coma. It was a Christmas coma because I was so wiped out. Our whole staff, we were so wiped out. But that was the year of the Christmas coma. But God was working And then we, five years ago, went into discussions about this building, and here we are today. And throughout this whole process, God has been working to advance his vision, that we will be a church that gathers to honor God and praise him, to lift his name. He's the only one worthy of praise, to connect in meaningful community, to say, I want relationships. I want to take this journey with other people. I'm sick of a solo journey that keeps stalling me out and where we serve one another and the world, where we go out and make a difference in this world, where we advance good. We're not just known as a church that put up a building and has like a logo on it, but we're people that care and reach out and serve and love and invest in others, and that's happening, and it's super exciting, and I love all that God is doing. But I tell you all of this because it's important to know how we started but I also tell you this because it's important to know that a good start is not enough. It's not enough to just have a good start. It's not enough to have version 1.0 app on your phone when there's a lot of improvements that God can do. And, And for us, this update that God wants to do is not a radical change in our vision or values. No, those are solid, but it is a supercharging of our vision and values. And what will make version 2.0 of LifePoint Church way better than version 1.0 is you. You are part of this. And collectively, we were able to do so much more than any one of us individually could do in this world. That when we put ourselves together collectively and say, God, I want to ramp up my passion. I want to ramp up my devotion. I don't want to be halfway or half-hearted or part-way or part-time. I don't want to let other people douse my flame and my passion for you and your work and your church. But I want to be full out for you because this is what matters This lasts, this is honoring the God who's given me life force, who's breathed into my very soul a spirit. This is honoring to the God I will one day come face to face with or when he returns, meet him in the air. So I wanna challenge you to join in with us as never before, to be part of a collective ministry and mission that advances good and changes lives all around us. And this may involve risk, but this is your unique moment to take the risk. Take the risk. Listen to God's voice. Let him tap you on the shoulder and say yes. I want to wrap up with just one last thought. This past week, I was reading a study, a study where researchers brought together a group of 95-year-old men and women, 95-year-old men and women, and they asked them this one question. If you could live life again, what would you do differently? If you had a chance to do it all over again, what would you do differently? And they had three things that the group came up with The first is they said they would reflect more. They would reflect more. That they would slow down. That they would savor the sunsets. That they would actually notice the flowers. They would see the world around them more clearly. They would eat more ice cream. (laughs) They would laugh more. They would seek special moments. They would enjoy each other relationally more than before. They would stop working so hard. They'd reflect more they said that they would also risk more, that they would take more chances and go out on the limb because, well, it's out on the limb where we find the fruit. One of the guys said, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. I guess you get pretty blunt, I don't know, when you get older. He was right. We can take up a lot of space. And the last thing, they said, "Live. we need to live for something that would continue long after they were gone. I want to encourage you and challenge you today to reflect more. To not just power through life and your job and kind of set your kingdom up on this planet, but to reflect more on who you are. Reflect more on on the God who made you, who wired you, who loves you, who's planned you, who has a purpose for your life. To reflect more on where you are spiritually and, and where you need to go to reflect more on how well you're living for him and how committed and passionate you are for him and to reflect more on on where your life is heading and are you ready for your spirit to one day return to the God who gave it. And then also, I want to challenge you to risk more, to take the risk of maybe seeking God for the first time in many years, maybe the risk of of saying yes to him in in a new way Take the risk of of connecting in a church when maybe in the past the church has pushed you out. To take the risk of, of going forward and saying, God, I just don't want to be halfway anymore. Ramp up my passion. I don't care any longer what people think. I'm not going to allow their voices to rise to the level where they're louder than yours. Risk more. And then together to live for something bigger than ourselves. This is what God wants to do in us and through us. And so, it's no accident that you're here today. God is working. God is leading. God is going to tap you on the shoulder, and if you listen, you'll, you'll hear him, and if you are attentive, you'll feel it. And it's exciting because we have an opportunity in a new way to say yes to him. So let him move you. Let him move us to a better place tomorrow than we are even right now. Let's pray.